Today's episode is brought to you by Anchorfish Printing. Hey, are you in a band? Do you run a label? Or maybe you just want to make some merch for fun. You should hit up Anchorfish Printing. They've been taking care of bands for over 15 years. I first met the owner, Michael, when my band Touche Amore started, and he was our go-to guy. You can visit what they have to offer over at anchorfishprinting.com. You can hit them up for all your merch needs, whether it's screen printing, embroidery, or maybe you just need some stickers. Mention the first ever podcast and get 10% off your order. This podcast is presented by DistroKid, an incredible service for musicians that helps you upload your songs to all music streaming platforms from iTunes to Spotify and Apple Music, then pays you revenue from your songs all in one place. They've got a really cool new feature called Splits that allows you to add collaborators so you can pay your co-writers and fellow musicians without needing an accountant. To get 30% off your first year's DistroKid subscription, just head to distrokid.com slash VIP slash hard times. Hello and welcome to the first ever podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bohm. If this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. This is episode 88. Holy shit, we are getting near 100 and that is freaking me out. Um, my guest is Anthony DiDio. He is the singer of the band Vane. He plays guitar in the band Fleshwater. Uh, I just got off tour with him. We just spent about uh, five and a half weeks together. We actually tried to do this interview before the tour started, and that would have been our breaking the ice. We had only met one time in uh, in person, just very briefly, uh, a while before that. But um, I'm actually glad we waited to the end because we had so much to reminisce about, catch up on, and um, this was really nice. I, I love Anthony. He was so fun to be around every day. Great energy. Very funny. Um, I think you'll, I think you'll get that from this conversation, but before we get there, I want to remind you that there's also a bonus episode. There's a bonus episode with Anthony available right now where subscribers to the Patreon submitted questions and he answered them. You can hear that over at patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon, where if you subscribe, you can submit questions to upcoming guests. You get bonus radio hours. There's a discord channel, all sorts of stuff. We're hanging out all the time. I'd appreciate your support. And of course, also, if you have not subscribed to the show on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this, um, do that. That'd be really helpful. Leaving a kind rating and review also always helps so much. I know every podcast asks you to do that, but there's a reason. There, I swear there's a reason. Um, I also want to give a shout out to my sponsor, Death Wish Inc., for over 20 years, Deathwish has been the go-to label for emerging punk and hardcore, and that continues today with recent releases from scene staples and promising newcomers such as Modern Life is War, Greed Death, Chastity, Converge, Frail Body, and more. 
Get 10% off all Deathwish music and merch in their store right now using the link deathwishinc.com slash the first ever, which automatically applies discount and filters the site for items included. Again, that is 10% off all Deathwish releases and merch when you visit deathwishinc.com slash the first ever. They were kind enough to just send me a care package. Included in that was a record that I somehow missed on purchasing which was the Blunt Razors record. It's called Early Aught. It is uh, the late Garrett O'Donnell from Planes Mistaken for Stars. It's his solo record. It is incredible. It is absolutely incredible. So uh, you should start there. And hey, just before we get to the show, I want to give uh, give a little love to San Diego. Um, Gabe Serbian, the drummer of The Locust, uh, just tragically passed away. There's a GoFundMe available to help with the expenses that come with uh, the tragic loss of somebody. So all my love to San Diego, to the, to the members of the Locust, um, to everyone who's, uh, who's hurting right now. So you can, uh, you can find that link through the Locust's social media accounts. All right, here's my conversation with the wonderful, with the funny, with the talented, Anthony DiDio. What's up, Anthony? What's up? It's nice to see you. How are you? Good. How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's uh, I hung out with John like a couple days after the tour ended, which was really nice. It was like it, it was sort of that almost feeling like the tour hadn't ended just yet because I got to see I got to see him. Um, how how have firstly you guys had you and uh, Jeremy and Matt had a long drive back. Um, was that tough to like feel like you were actually done with the tour, or did you at that point did it feel like it had disconnected? Well, I was going to say, I remember, because uh, I think that happened while we were driving home. So both of us were still, the tour was still not done, I guess, in my opinion. I don't I don't think it was done until we got home. Sure. Which was uh, like a week and a half ago. But everyone else had already been home for like a week, which is crazy. Yeah, because you all, you had to stop in the Midwest to drop off Nick, right? You stopped in like... We, we went from Santa Cruz to... Tol- to Tulsa in a straight shot and then Tulsa to Milwaukee in a straight shot and then Milwaukee <laughs> home. We chilled in Milwaukee for like one day and then did Milwaukee to Lowell in a straight shot. We were going to, me and Jeremy, it was, now it was just me and Jeremy and we were going to like, we were going to stop somewhere to like break it up. And then it got later in the night and I was just like, yo, fuck it. Let's just do the whole thing. And we just stayed up and, and, uh, talk the whole time. I think, talking is the best way to crush a drive or make time elapse because you have no concept of time while you're talking. You're, you're absolutely right. That, and it goes to show like the absolute um, benefit of having a good uh, co-pilot because yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cause even, How- e- oh, so I, I drove five hours from, like somewhere to I finished like the drive to Tulsa and I listened to I think like I was like what am I going to listen to with the rest of this drive I think I just listened to every fucking song you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) and I actually got kind of scared I was like it's like when you're listening to music you you have like some frame of reference of like I'm on track eight of this album I know the rest of it goes I know that this album's only 30 minutes long it's only been 30 minutes of this drive yeah like you know, anyways, 
Yeah, no, that's it's completely real. Are you? I, I don't know if I know this. Is anyone in the in vain were were any of you guys like podcast people? Like, did any of you listen to podcasts while driving? No, nah, none of us really at all lis- listen to uh, podcasts. When we were on the tour together, I listened to yours uh, like a couple times, um, but on my own. Uh, I think we've like a while ago would like maybe throw on some of the Josta podcasts here or there. If there was like a guest we really wanted to hear, but usually on van drives, there's no, there's no podcast going on in the van for the most part. Yeah. I only ask because that sometimes is a good way to like make time go by. Cause if you know, an episode is like two hours long, you're like, okay, at least that'll, that'll kill this. But everyone in our band has like definitely their things they listen to while driving like Clayton, no doubt will listen to like a lot of sports podcasts, you know? Oh yeah. 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 So that certainly will make everyone else in the van, just put their headphones on and be like, all right, I, you know, this, I can't connect to this. I don't know what's going on in this conversation. (laughs) Yep. Oh yeah. (laughs) So how was, how was it arriving home for you? Did you immediately pass out or like, were you still kind of energized and stayed up? Like how was actually getting home? I came home, slept for two hours, and then I woke up and was like manically awake all day. Uh, I don't remember what I did, but I just started knocking down fucking uh, any sort of like annoying task that was left. I just start, I've been just chopping away at all of them. Yeah. Uh, or, or just started chopping away at all of them and like kept, uh, I don't know, I had an insane amount of energy when I got home. I like couldn't just like sit around you know Um, yeah our body i mean your body is so used to being in motion um and that really does kind of fuck up fuck up your head i mean like i don't know if you i don't know if we talked about this on the tour but like having a day off is like really tough for me sometimes because your your body is so used to exerting so much energy every night that when you aren't doing that your body feels insane it's like right you've just been been sitting for 12 hours like do something and then and then that comes out in like other ways. Yes. You know what I mean? Or you're just yeah. like, uh, and, and like, yeah, I definitely think that, especially with the driving too, it's like your, your brain and your body are so used to go, go, go. There's always something that needs to be done yes. type of thing, like every day. So when you don't have that, yeah, then you just start applying it to like other things. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. When uh, Whenever I come yeah. home, I feel like, I, I feel like excited to do shit when i'm home like at, towards the end of a tour i like think about all the things oh i want to do this 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 and that when i get home you know what i mean and like it makes it exciting yeah no i i, I feel that do you have i don't know if we even uh, discussed this like do you have certain things you do when you're at home that you're unable to do on tour like hobbies or anything like that that you're like looking forward to doing when you get home i know obviously you guys are all like video game people yeah so i was gonna I, say I, th- I think video games i didn't play like any video games uh, on the tour we just did um but video games uh love watching movies um we all love that you know what i mean video games movies uh writing and demoing music is a big one um because that's hard to do on the road anything creative like that uh that like you can't that's harder to do on tour is usually exciting to do when you get home i feel like tour is really cool to like um you know, being able to write or do things on tour is really cool, but I feel like it's more beneficial to like get inspired on tour and like think about shit a lot. And then once you come home, it's like you have like a well of uh, 
inspiration to pull from once you can actually sit at your your in your workspace or or just have the tools necessary nearby to to do it you know what i mean like i feel like on tour a lot it's good it's listening to so much music every day and having certain conversations and being in a certain type of headspace and also like you're playing in your band you're doing the thing you do every night and you know you're just ha- talking and fantasizing about things and then coming home it's like you have all the time in the world and all the whatever resources to be able to do that on your own on your own watch you know um, certainly certainly and what you all have in your on your side too is is how many of you live together so it's like we, we it, all live together yeah yeah so it makes it a little easier for you guys to like rally each other to have band practice you know it's like At, hey yo we're all here let's do something absolutely and also that was i mean right now it's just me i'm I'm like alone right now but it's just me and jeremy and um a couple other people but uh my girlfriend and uh john's little brother but um everyone else is split up right now but we actually uh, the one thing we did the day after we got home was uh get a new practice space as well which is the first time we've ever had anything like that like a lockout type like traditional you know what everybody usually has you know what i mean yeah um that's really cool so we've been putting that together a lot but yeah i'm sure you know once everyone's around that's uh that's that is what we do you know we all like let's do this now let's do that now and kind of pull each other in whatever direction sure and uh obviously i have to ask um how is matt doing right now because i saw he got the surgery which is incredible i'm glad that, that he was able to like book that and get that done so quickly how's he's, he he's uh, do- how's he feeling he's doing all right um obviously like not good his arm is broken and it sucks but and he's in a lot of pain but um uh he got the surgery which was good i mean that's the most important thing he was able to get it and thanks to everybody helping out he was able to afford it so now it's just he's just going to be on the road to recovery now he's just got to wait and just take it easy and then you know do physical therapy and whatnot but he's uh keeping his head in the game which is good and like being headstrong about it i think that might be like the hardest part about about that because even like I broke not nearly as bad as his, but I broke my arm back in November and like having a cat, it's still fucked up and like having a, uh, a, a cast on or whatever, it just sucks because I don't know. It's like, you can't, you, all of a sudden you're, you're thinking about every stupid thing you wouldn't otherwise think about doing. Cause you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You I have mean, an obstruction, you're, you're missing a limb. So Totally. And, you know, I, I certainly told, I, I said it to him a couple times, probably on the tour, but um, I was just so impressed with his overall like mental state after dealing, you know, like having that happen, the fact that he stayed on the tour. Cause I think mm-hmm. if you, if you were to do a, um, uh, you know, to, to, to do a vote on like how many people would have just immediately gone home. I'm sure it would be like 98% of people would have just been like, fuck this. Cause like, you know, yeah. Tours, tours, not a comfortable way to live, you know? And especially no. like if you're not getting to perform every night, but he stuck with it. He hung out. He was a, a beacon of, um, I don't know, kind of like morale in a way when everyone jumped on to start playing drums and stuff to have him stand on the side of the stage and sort of like, 
you know, yeah. uh, be a cheerleader for what was happening. It was like the coolest vibe that he could have given. And absolutely, uh, you know, it, re- it really did show like the amount of camaraderie and love that the, that was like happening on the tour. But yeah, I'm just like, I, I was, you know, I was so wildly impressed with him every day. And then when that happened, I was like, this dude's real as hell. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely the truth. Cause it's like, it's one of those things where it's like you get put in that position and it's like, well, well, what are you, what are you going to do? What do you, what do you do now? You know what I mean? Do you, so, uh, it's like, how do you, how do you overcome that? And it's really hard and conflicting because obviously the situation sucks, but if you can pull through like that, you ultimately, uh, you make the best out of it. And I don't think that would have been possible either if it wasn't for you guys and also everyone else on the tour for like, making it um worth sticking around for and also like providing that level of camaraderie like to an equal level because the second that happened like everyone was stepping up immediately before we had said anything you know what i mean i think if we were on uh you know another tour that was like maybe let you know no bands talk to each other and it was just some weird uh like bullshit fucking thing we probably would have gone well time to go home fuck it whatever you know what i'm saying but yeah um when life hands you situations like that you just make the best out of it you know what i mean and uh we've we've been in that position unfortunately that's not the first time we've been in that position like one time he broke his hand on a different tour but it was earlier in the tour and he did have to go home and that was dark like that that was I hate to say it, but it almost happened at the perfect time where it was like the last six shows where, you know, it, it could just be like this big hoorah kind of thing. And, um, but, uh, yeah, he was a, he was a trooper through all of it and, uh, he still is and his spirits are still high about all of it. And, um, uh, you know, we make jokes about it and just talk about all the things, you know, and, and, and another thing going back to your other question, um, about like, how's he doing? It's just the, the shittiest thing about it is like, going back to the the three main hobbies that that um you know he also has is like you know drums skateboarding guitar or not not guitar um drums skateboarding video games you know what i mean right so it's, it's hard like, to play one and, and, yeah. and now you can't fucking do any of them so that, that yeah. part sucks and that's what's mentally kind of shitty about all of it but you know eventually uh he'll come back stronger than ever i'm sure you know what i mean and i think that I think that that tour just reiterating like everybody involved on that tour, like made that possible and made that possible for us to, to, to also like, you know, meet halfway and just keep the spirit high and like truck through it, you know? So I'm eternally grateful for that. Yeah. uh, I mean, (laughs) feeling is mutual just, just with the, um, with the energy that everybody on that band provided every single day. Uh, and I mean, I, I have to forever yell it from the rooftop. Like the, the perseverance that your band has is, I think that's going to be an overall influence for us going forward with like anything. It's like, we've already been, a, you know, we've been a band for so long at this point, but when you, when you're around a band with the level of perseverance that your band has, I mean, like, you know, there, there was so many things that you all dealt with on that tour um with like van issues and and all sorts of stuff that like (laughs) every day it was just like holy shit i cannot believe that they've still somehow made it to the show before doors 
(laughs) Yeah. With all of this stuff. And not only did you always make it to every show, no show got missed, but um, you all managed to still have the same uh, lovely attitude every single day. It was always so nice to see everybody every day. Everybody was in a good mood. Everyone kind of was laughing off all of the shit that you were all dealing with all the time. And it was like, damn, I respect this band on such an insane level. Yeah. And again, and again, like that goes back to like what I was saying where it's like, it was, it, we felt that way because the tour was worth it to feel that way. The tour showing up to that tour every day made me feel like, like I looked forward to every night. I looked forward to getting to the show. I looked forward to seeing everyone and I looked forward to watching the bands. So it's like, and playing our set. So it was like, throughout all the bullshit it kind of made all the important shit like better you know what i mean and um right and also after two years of waiting for all this it was in waiting for the album to come out and then dropping the album and starting this tour on the note that it did and then all the other things that happened it was kind of like it was like uh it was a little freaky. Like it kind of almost felt like some weird supernatural like test, but it was like after three things happened, the rest of them are just funny. Like, and in it, the (laughs) other fun, the other funny part of it too, is like, you just feel it, it makes you, it makes you stronger. It makes you grow. Like all these things just make you grow. So it's like, I feel like, throughout the throughout the tour as each thing happened like it would just grow more and more and kind of just like it's like fuck it what's another thing you know what i mean Um, yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely but man let me tell you there was times where you where i would get the the ding on my phone and i'd be like what's this gonna be and then i read it just like how the fuck did they outdo themselves with another problem the funniest thing that I was thinking about the other day was my first interaction with any of you guys on the whole tour was I walked in the venue, opened up your door to your green room because I, I legitimately didn't see any of you guys through the door. And I thought it was like, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know yeah. where I was going. Yeah. And, I, and I, I walked in the room looking down and then I looked up and all you guys were just staring. It, and I was like, oh, hi, uh, I'm Anthony uh nice to meet you we just got our van broken into it <laughs> and you were like oh my god i'm so sorry and then i just left the room like i w- remember looking up and i was like oh shit this is the wrong room and then just blurting out like that was the first interaction it was like our window just got smashed and all our stuff got stolen nice to meet you we're gonna go on tour for six weeks yeah oh uh, <laughs> like yeah i mean what a what a tough way to start. Yeah. And and I know you it was guys just, didn't really- it was so funny yeah. looking back on it. I was like, I, cause I forgot that happened until now. It was just right. such a, like a weird interaction. Oh, um, man. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. I, I mean, I don't know how many people really realize it happened, but yeah, it's like you guys pulled up to the show. You were running late. You loaded your, st- you like brought your stuff in super quick <laughs> and then came back to your van <clears throat> window smashed all your backpack stolen. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah and uh it was like we were joking around we were like it's like a game like all right here's the start of the game like and you lose all your items like you get to use your like (laughs) like you get to you get to use like your superpowers for like the first like because we were already on tour for a little bit like a week to get out there we were like you get to use all your powers for a little bit and then you're gonna take you're gonna get them all taken away 
and then oh this is where the, the the journey begins the journey begins yeah and uh I mean, I have to just for, I feel like listeners need to know this part if you're if you're OK with it. If not, we can cut it. I don't know why you'd want to cut it, but I just need to put out there that I think the most psycho thing that you did was the Puerto Rico trip. So yeah. for people that don't know when his when the van was all smashed and the stuff was stolen, he lost his passport. We were going to fucking Montreal. We were going to Canada twice on the tour, but we we're from Boston to Montreal. And you like fucking six days before that, you just pulled me aside. You're like, yo, just a heads up. We might need to play early in Connecticut because I have to fly to Puerto Rico because it's the only place I can get an appointment to get my passport renewed or to get a new passport. I was just looking at you dead in the eyes and I was like, there's got to be a better way than this. You No, you you were like, wait, what? 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 No, that's impossible. It's impossible. And, it, and the thing is, is like I, I literally booked, I formulated the plan figured it out and and pulled the trigger on it within like 10 minutes of being on the phone with this lady but i I had i had i had exhausted every option like giving it a week i've also dealt with that before so like when everyone was like there's got to be another way i'm like there is no other way like this (laughs) this is actually i think what you have to do and even when i got there the guy was like oh people do this all the time and I was right. like, all right, I, I had a moment of fear flying there where I went, what if I get stuck here? What if they tell me like, like I'm an idiot and like, there's, there is no, like, what, what if like, it doesn't work, you know? Yeah. I, this is going to suck so bad, but it worked. I, <laughs> I left it. I left, I walked off the stage in Connecticut, drove to Logan airport, got on a plane, flew to Puerto Rico <laughs> Slept on a bench, woke up, took an Uber to the agency, dropped off my shit, and got the passport, and then flew back to Boston and made it in time for the show. I don't want to sound dramatic, but when you walked into that venue and I saw you in Boston and you had accomplished <laughs> your mission, it had to have been how... Uh, how 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 everyone felt uh on east on easter when jesus came out of, when jesus, <laughs> when jesus came yeah. out of the, the cave where it's just like yeah. holy fuck this man has resurrected this man has <laughs> actually made it and you were had the most positive attitude because i remember you were singing with us every single night and i remember thinking like oh man i'm not gonna make anthony sing with us tonight like you know like he's probably so mentally fried and you were just the most positive you were in the best mood. And I was like, you want to sing with us? You're like, fuck yeah, I want to sing with you tonight. I was just like, this man, this man. Yeah, dude, it was so much. That was actually like one of my favorite sets of the whole <laughs> tour. And then the next day we went to the border. And that, then it was the next thing. I was like, all right, we now we have to like actually get into Canada. And like the guy yep. found a lighter, a lighter with a pot leaf on it. And, uh, he fucking ripped the whole van apart and had a mental breakdown. And then you guys pulled up behind us at the border and we all got like searched. And I was like, imagine this is the thing that, that prevents us from like getting in after all that bullshit. And then, um, we both got in, but it was like, you know, not without them like giving everyone a a hard time. We pulled up and we're like, Oh, Vane's getting it. They're getting, they're getting in trouble. And I remember the, (laughs) I don't, know if you heard, I don't know if you heard this. This is, the the border agent goes, um, "Are you with them?" And Jake goes, "Uh, I mean, kinda." 
but not because <laughs> Jake was like, I can't say, I don't want to say that we're with them because we're about to be just thrown in. So he was like, um, I mean, it's he the just, same show, but we're not with them. He pulls the guy pulls out like a gigantic bag of weed and he's like, Are you with them? Yeah, exactly. We just found this. We just found this in their van. No, we literally got rid of we got rid of everything too like before yeah. like there was nothing in the van and he was just like found a lighter that had a pot leaf on it and like freaked out and then um so i remember when i remember when you guys pulled up to the border my mind was blown and i also felt kind of like because hmm, i was like we're here before touche amore we're on That's time what- we're ahead. i was like we're headed we're ahead of schedule that was Apparently. the first thing I thought. To, the, when we pulled up, I was like, how the fuck are they here first? That was the first thing out of my mouth. I was like, how in the hell? Yeah. Um, the uh, So for for people listening, the, when we had to go back to Canada, um, the, the agents were, Ken, giving us just the hardest time. And they pulled Clayton in and they were like, go, this dude was literally like going through the rule book, looking for reasons to not let Clayton in because of some bullshit that he got in trouble for when he was 17 that's like expunged from his record so they were like he was like going through it and i was like clayton it almost would have been worth it for you to just say first day like Wait, what do you mean like oh oh wow like, wow yeah no like he's, he, it like, well, like it, it would have it would have almost been worth it just to just to hit him with that and, yeah. and watch him just lose his mind, but I was like, uh, it would have been fucking perfect. But it yeah. would have been, it's like you want to because it hits a point with them where you're like, you suck and this is a game and I hate you. And like, uh, now, yeah, now I just want to say something like that to you. Exactly. Uh, they tried, I love, I love when they pull you aside. The, the, uh, someone else will pull you aside and be like, hey, man, I don't care about what he thinks about weed, but. Come on, just tell me. You guys got any pot? Come on, you got some? Uh, like it's like it's like, dude. Like, what do you think? I'm fucking stupid. I, yeah. I remember like, uh, <laughs> I remember Matt was like, I don't even know what weed is like. like I don't even smoke it. <laughs> or, or or like they were they tried to trick us. Like, so what's Massachusetts weed like or something? Like trying oh to be God. all cool, cool buddy, buddy. And he was like, I don't even smoke weed. I don't even know what you're talking about. I've never. I don't even know what it's like. Um. But yeah, they're they're the worst. Dude. Uh, uh, yeah, and I don't know if you know this, they pulled Tyler in. They pulled Tyler in too. And they're like, do you by chance go by a different name? And he was like, what the fuck? No. <laughs> and like, they like tried to pin like someone else's crimes on Tyler. He was just like, oh my God, dude, how fucking bored are you guys? You guys let us go. Jesus Christ. They're so bored because they want, they like want so badly to catch like the, uh, you know, they thought they were going to open up our trailer and find like 200 pounds of like drugs. And, and it's so funny to just see them rifling through shit and be like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is musical equipment. Fuck. These are personal belongings. Like, <laughs> I also, I also am always entertained when they open up the van and they look and they, and you see it wash over them going, this is too much shit to go through. There's just, yeah. It, it, it all looks so heavy. Forget it. And they start loosely trying, like they look through, like they're just loosely looking through, like specific compartments of the van. But you can tell they don't really give a shit. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. It's uh, never easy. No, but you know, it's yeah. One one thing after another. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Discovered Magazine. Discovered is an international print counterculture magazine encompassing the best of music, art, skateboarding, and anything with a punk ethos. Listeners get 10% off a yearly subscription using the code FIRSTEVER, spelled out, when you visit store.dscvrd.co. Discovered is definitely the coolest magazine around. They cover so many bands that uh, other publications just don't. And uh, I love them for it. Support Discovered. You won't regret it. So you guys are all from from uh, from Massachusetts originally. Originally, I know it's, you had said it's not like Boston specific. Remind me again where you're specifically from. So we're all from me, Jeremy, and me and Matt are actually the only people at this point from Massachusetts. Jeremy's okay. from technically from new hampshire but he's literally on the border of haverhill uh which is where anchors up was which is like where we used to basically all you know grew up going to shows and met each other and stuff and we all live in the merrimack valley which is like or we all grew up in the merrimack valley which is that area john grew up in connecticut benno grew up in la and uh you know nick who's playing with us now um uh he you know he's from milwaukee but um, but technically, you know, the core vein is uh, Connecticut and Massachusetts. Uh, John ended up moving up to Massachusetts at one. I, I mean, he lives here now. Yeah. Um, so everyone lives in Massachusetts now. Uh, we all live in the same house now. Benno just moved over here, uh, and now we're all living in Lowell, which is like its own. It's also its own kind of like. It's own. It's got its own thing going on. Um, sure. It's like 30, 30 minutes from Boston. Um, but yeah, that we're all living in the same house now in Lowell. Nice. Um, and when you were growing up, um, what was the first thing you connected with musically that felt like it was yours? Maybe not something that was being played in the house, but something that uh, you know just piqued your interest when you were a kid and got you excited about music. Like the first, first thing ever? Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I was, I grew up around a lot of music playing in the house and I was also aware of like music that was playing on TV um, and stuff like that. But I think like the first, uh, well, the first CD that I ever bought was Newfound Glory Sticks and Stones. And I was like seven. And my bro, I listened to whatever my brother and sister listened to growing up. And like, my sister was like a huge fan of like, no doubt and smashing pumpkins and like Weezer and stuff like that. And, uh, they liked a lot of like punk and pop punk, I I guess if you want to call it type stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, some of the first, like, heavy music i heard was from them as well like like converge um and things like that and i remember hearing things like hearing them loosely listening to stuff like that and like or hear it in the other room or hear it in the car and like anything that was like really scary would pique my interest a lot even though if i couldn't really palate it at the time or stomach it at the time i, I would be like really drawn towards it but like the first music that I loved was like, or like some of the first thing that things, first music that really got my interest and like made me want to listen to it all the time was like Newfound Glory, um, 
I loved Sum 41 was like one of my first favorite bands, you know, shit like that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, eventually that turned into like, um, like metal and hardcore and stuff, you know, uh, which was not that they, they, they got me into a lot of like some of my favorite bands, like life changing bands, even just by telling me about them, you know what I mean? Cause then once I got a little bit older and started liking more shit like that, uh, I would like, you know, go check it out on my own, like Botch and Jerome's Dream and Converge and uh, stuff like that. Thursday bands so like you're, that. So your older siblings definitely had like an understanding of of like punk and hardcore. Like they like they they understood yeah. what that. Yeah, like there were they were because it's. I mean, the sis, your is your sister the oldest? Oh yeah, my sister's the oldest. My brother's the second oldest, and then there's like a very big gap. So my brother's like eight years older than me and my sister's 12 years older than me. Yeah. I was going to say, so, it sounds like your sister might be closer in age to me because that's definitely like, yeah. She's turning 40 this year. So I think she's like a year older than you. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it sounds like her and I probably like had the same, you know, like same, generation same of like, yeah, MTV music, the Smashing Pumpkins. MTV no music, yeah. MTV music, like all. So I was around that all the time. And then, uh. You know, just shit like that, and um, sure. And then, you, so uh, was your was your brother uh, tapped into like 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 Boston hardcore and stuff like that? Was your sister into hardcore stuff too? He, she, they both were. I wouldn't yeah. really consider. I think my sister was a bit more involved in it than than he was. But okay. um, I, but uh, I don't really think my brother was like a hardcore kid or anything. But he liked like specific bands and like would get into a lot of it through my sister and i i was actually telling tyler this story i remember when i was like super little i was like i was like i would just ask him i would ask just both of them questions about shit all the time i'd be like what's the craziest thing you've ever seen what's the craziest thing you've ever heard you know what i mean like yeah so i i was like what's the scariest band you've ever heard in your life and i was like under 10 years old, like eight or nine years old. And he was like Jerome's dream. And, uh, my sister like dated a kid who was heavily into a lot of that stuff too. And I guess he would like play it in the car. And, oh. um, the name, like, like he described what it sounded like. He like described the sound of presents, like the singer as a megaphone, like all the shit. And I always remembered it. And then like, when I got older, I like, when I could figure out how to look up music, I like looked it up. Yeah. So like there was a lot of things like that, but uh, he liked like he liked Botch, he liked uh, Jerome's Dream, Converge, Thursday. But both my siblings loved Thursday a lot. Uh, same with Matt's siblings. Me and Matt's sister were like friends. Um, which is pretty crazy. So like, uh, he was his his siblings were his brother was like uh way more involved in hardcore and like took him to shows when he was younger and stuff but we had similar kind of like exposure to to certain things like that um but um fuck i lost my chain of thought what was i saying just that you you uh, had known his sister so uh i think i even read that, that like that like your your all siblings kind of like introduced all of you together right well we I feel like I've told the story a bunch, but like there was a, there was a carrier show at anchors up and then the power went out and my sister's ex-boyfriend played in a band, uh, that played the show. And then, 
so all of our siblings sort of friend group was there and then they introduced us to each other and i remember i was like super weird because i didn't i, I was so bummed that the power went out because i wanted to see the carrier so bad um and we said a couple words to each other and then we started talking on on facebook a lot because we were both into like the same shit you know what i right. mean yeah. um uh and like both had the like we immediately started talking about like starting a band of some sort you know what i mean but that that sure. took like a year to to start but like but um yeah my brother like like what got me into a lot i think more of the heavier st- heavier side of stuff or like the screamo side of things or definitely just like put me on to uh to a lot of that stuff did did uh have you had the mo- i'm sure you have like whether you know uh directly or not but like have you had that moment with your siblings where it's like they look at what you've what Vane has done where it's like oh yeah we've done we've done songs with jerome's dream we've done songs with thursday we've toured with these bands we've played shit like do they think that's crazy yeah it's a mind fuck it's like a complete <laughs> mind fuck to, and also like like uh i mean my sister came to the boston show and she she like took me to see convergent thursday Oh, that's and right. I met her got, backstage. It, yeah, that's and, right. And you yeah. got you got you guys opened the show, so right. she like knew you guys were. And like, we did a tour with Thursday in 2019, and they were playing like Full Collapse and War all the time. Um, so like, you know, things like that for them are definitely like a huge deal because uh, it's that. it's definitely it's very like it's some very full circle uh, fulfilling type stuff. And you know, for us, just as much as it, as it is for them in a way to see yeah. it all happen which is really cool does uh what was the first concert you went to uh ever technically yeah technically technically when i was seven or no, no i was like eight, seven or eight i went to tony hawk's boom boom Huck jam and uh social distortion played okay. but like but like that doesn't really count like they were playing on top of a ramp while like a million other things were going on but then the first like actual concert i went to was uh blink 182 and uh no doubt and the living end uh in wow. 2000 2003 i think it was when um it was when blink 182 put out like the untitled self-titled record and uh and no doubt I don't know if they had an album out, but that was like right before Blink-182 broke up and right before I think No Doubt like took a big hiatus. It was like their last like big tour they did together. Did uh, did your sister take you to that show? Yeah, and that was like a huge plus for her too because like No Doubt was like her favorite band growing up. Right, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's super cool. Um, mm-hmm. And then when it comes to first instrument, because I know... You play bass. You do you play guitar mm-hmm. in Fleshwater? Mm-hmm. And then yeah, so it's like I know you've played multiple instruments. So what was the first instrument you ever played? Uh the first was like I would again, my sister had a guitar, like an acoustic guitar and like a fender strat that would that would be in our house and like I would mess around with it, but I like didn't understand it at all. But the first in, my real first instrument was bass. Um, I don't know why, but when I was, when I was younger, I really wanted to play bass, like before it, like chose bass before anything. Um, I really loved drums and my brother played drums, but, but, uh, I chose bass. So 
and and the first band I played in and and like like starting to like cover songs and like like learn how to play with other people like type thing it was always bass okay what was the first band uh I have my friend Jack um me and him in middle school had a band and it was like we we started playing music together from like fourth or fifth grade on and like i think the 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 <laughs> i don't remember the band name in oh, fifth come grade on. you don't damn it i, I do <laughs> oh hit me the, that's, the, that's, that's, the, that's one of the best parts is you get to hear how bad all of our first band names were because well i just remembered it because i was like was there a name or was it just fucking like <laughs> like was there you know we would just like do things but yeah. the first first ever th- band was called insomnia Okay. And then and then in in like 7th or 8th grade we started another band or like we just, you know, redid it and it was um it was called like like Speria and I think he named it after the movie Suspiria but just cut like the sus part out. Okay. Uh and then um you know, I don't know. It was just us learning how to play music. He was like way more advanced than me in terms of like he could like arrange songs and like play pretty crazy shit he was a guitar player mm-hmm. he could play like pretty crazy shit he he got me into a lot of music and we also got in, into a lot of music together which was really cool um you said that the bands were like doing covers and stuff like what songs were you covering uh actually in seventh grade uh in seventh grade we played it was like uh, me, him, and, and this other kid, and we were, uh, this kid Greg, and we were like, that was like our band or whatever. And uh, we played Blind by Corn. Nice. And uh, a Red Hot Chili Pepper song, which I was not, that was not my choice. Uh, but uh, it was that song, Can't Stop. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that wasn't my choice, but blind was definitely my choice. Well, let me let me let me tell you this: <laughs> the first uh, the first ta- the my very first show was a talent show. I wore an Adidas jumpsuit, and we covered Blind. <laughs> Sick! Did you sing it? <laughs> you bet I did. <laughs> Is there a video of it? On a very distant VHS tape, somewhere in storage, somewhere I don't know if I have the guts to watch it because dude, yeah, you gotta it, find it. You gotta find it psycho i'm i'm no for a fact i am not even close to being in the right tuning it is just That's, oh you're a, playing and singing i'm playing guitar and singing it is a disaster. which 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 part did you do at the beginning oh i did both yeah. it, did, oh yeah was it just you was it just you playing guitar you bet and i'm deaf i'm telling you right now we were probably in standard i mean this thing was <laughs> fucked <laughs> So yeah, uh, we did not. Did win you the tune though. to drop? What? Oh yeah, you tuned to standard, of course. Yeah, Dude, I don't know what we were. I did not know what I was. I mean, I was in like eighth grade. It was just a disaster. Yeah, I found. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what tuning we were in either when we did it. I know I was playing the den on bass. Yeah, uh, and so funny i I know we did stuff before that in like fifth grade or whatever but like i don't know it was probably just other stupid cover shit but like the first one i remember uh 
was was that and then um can we redeem ourselves one day maybe when vane plays if you guys can if you guys know how to play blind we can redeem ourselves and and you and i just do it together you know the crowd <laughs> yeah let's do fucking, it. you know the crowd would go buck wild <laughs> us together in in sequin tracksuits Yes. With, with guitars i was saying yeah the the, the sequent purple tracksuit was my favorite one yeah. uh, i was having that conversation the other day with someone but but uh yeah we should we should do it we should do it um <laughs> as redemption the, so what was so what was your first show what was it also wait also this is like ultra off topic well actually yeah. no it's on topic have uh have you seen the video of Glassjaw covering blind? Wait, what? <laughs> there's a video what? of Glassjaw. There's a video on YouTube of Glassjaw playing in like the mid 90s. Like it I think it's like the Glassjaw. Like it's like really old and they open up the set with the fucking ride and they go into the part and then they just like it was like a goof, I'm pretty sure, but like they did it. I I wish it wasn't so lowbrow for me to open up YouTube and try to watch this during a podcast. But as soon as this is over, we're, I'm trying to, I'm, we're, we're, yeah, we're tracking I'll, this down. I'll track it down and try and find it. But I swear to God, I'm, I thought I was seeing, I thought I was like crazy when I found it. I like, couldn't insane. believe it. That's insane. Yeah, it, and it must have just been like them because that, that was probably like the biggest song in the world at the time. And they were probably like, ha ha. It's probably like a meme. It's like a oh, no, like the sure. first first iteration of like a fucking meme. You which know what I so mean? Fun, which is so funny too, because obviously they went on to record records with Ross Robinson. So that's right. It's a yeah. funny full circle. Yeah, that's so weird. That's crazy. So yeah, well, yeah. What was your first show? Like hardcore show? No, like the first show you played. The first show I played that was like legit. No, like, the first or, show you fucking or, or, played. Like, did you play a talent show? What'd you play? Uh. <sighs> Yeah, it was a it was definitely a talent show. Uh let me think. Cause I'm really trying to think because it had to have been fifth grade or like fourth grade. Damn, that's um, so crazy. Yeah, talent show. I'm trying I can't remember specifically what like the very like this is the very first one, but and would it, you have been playing blind at that? No, no. That was that was like two years later. So I was probably like nine or ten years old when I first like played a show with like the friend that I was talking about, but it was, it was definitely a talent show or like some like school related thing, you know what sure. I mean? And then, um, that went that we just kept doing it till the end of middle school. So, or even early high school actually. So, and so how many, band, how many bands did you play in just playing bass before you sang? Was Vane the first band you sang in? No. So, I played bass in that band and then in middle school. And then like, by the time I was like 12, 13, I think it was just kind of like between me and Jack, it was kind of like unanimously decided because we had other people that like would come in and out of the band and like, we'd try out other people, but it was usually just me and him. And like when we actually did have like some type of lineup, I remember it was kind of like, oh, you should just sing type of thing or like, oh, I'll just sing whatever. But I never was like, I'm the singer. You know what I mean? Like I I was just like, I'll sing or you sing or whatever. So I moved to just singing for the band with me and him. And then, uh, you know, we never played any like we played like maybe one other weird 
like birthday type, just like friends show, friends only type show. You know what I mean? But we never played at like a venue or anything. And then um, after that was like, at like 15, 16, like I, I wasn't in a band anymore. And then, uh, but I was like big into, I was already like into uh, like producing like electronic music or just messing around on production programs and kind of like writing my own songs or whatever. And then like, I picked the guitar, my sister's guitar that I was talking about, picked that up around 15, 16 as well. And then actually started playing guitar and figuring it out and going, Oh, that chord that I heard in that song, like I'm playing it like, like figuring out chord shapes and going, Oh, I like this sound. I like the way this goes with this or whatever. Um, when me and Matt and, uh, when me, when me and Matt first jammed, I was playing bass and we had a band that was like me, him, um, and, uh, you know, uh, another ex member of Vane, uh, and Jeremy. And we would, uh, is that that band East beast? Well, no, this was even before that. We were just like, we were just writing songs that were like melodic. Like, I don't want to almost sounded like Thursday or something like nothing. Like it does. It didn't sound just like Thursday. Like, but we weren't like, but, but you know what I mean? Like it was like, it was like kind of, it was like a melodic hardcore type shit, but not like, not even like typical melodic hardcore stuff. Kind of like, I, I hate the term like post hardcore or something. I don't know. We were just writing the shit that we were listening to and, and liked a lot. And then, yeah. uh, and then, so I was playing bass in that. And then, uh, but then there was the same thing where I moved to vocals for that, to just vocals. And then, then we did East Beast and I played bass in East Beast. And then, um, and then we started Vane because of East Beast. Um, and I started out and there was another thing with Vane where I was like, hey, we could just we could just do this all ourselves. You know what I mean? So I'll just sing and play bass. I don't know how to do it, but I'll do it, whatever. And then the same thing happened again where I was like, okay, now nah, I'm just singing. You know what I mean? Right. But Did, like uh... I I, I've always I've only been in bands with like long like long relationship bands if that makes any sense. It does. Like I wasn't I wasn't like in a bunch of bands and then ended up with them. It was kind of like I would do bands with the same person growing up, and then do or do like the one or two projects we did, and then once I met them, it was like you know it's just been that way ever since. Same same people working on on projects and stuff. What was the uh, what was the first band that you recorded with? Was it East Beast or was there where you did record with a bunch of other bands? The first time I ever recorded was with the band, uh, the old band, the Spiria band or whatever. Okay, um, was it like at a which, studio. It was like this kid in this kid in our in their town, like like a town or two over. This kid's parents like bought him all this fucking recording shit, and like we went into his house and like. He recorded us and I recorded bass. That was the legit first time I ever recorded. And then the, the next time recording at a recording studio was like East Beast when I was 17. Yeah, I just uh, earlier today, I just re- I like I didn't know about that band. and I listened to it. It's like it's fucking super quality. Like it's like it sounds like yeah. really, really 
well well recorded so like was uh what was that experience like for you like did you enjoy recording early on or like how how did it make you feel i mean the first time i ever recorded with east beast was like i mean i think the case for all of us we were just like holy fucking shit well do it like it's it's like kind of like well okay show up and you know you just you're, you're just like i can't believe i'm doing this but i'm doing it type thing um just show up and play and do your thing and then leave and then like the next person we recorded with was Sean Fitzpatrick, who we formed a relationship with. And that, that was like the beginning of like what I think you're saying or asking is like, okay, I like, like recording and like, this is how it works. And I like under, I'm like getting familiar with the process and, and I'm building a relationship with this person who's recording it. And like, we're like understanding each other or whatever. So like, uh, so we did an East Beast album with him. And then when Vane started, you know, we contacted him cause we knew him and we had already done it once. And that was like the beginning of like, of our, you know, relationship with him. And we did three records with him or three EPs with him between both bands. And okay. So, um, I, so he would have been the person. Cause when we were in Montana, you told me that great story, uh, where, you all like you guys were all working at like a call center together or something like that mm-hmm. and you recorded with vane and then like when you were listening you listened to it back okay so all, yeah so, tell me the story so, yeah so well that was a little bit later so basically the self-titled uh the original that we have an ep called terrors realm that we like re-recorded a, a, a couple of the songs but the original terrors realm ep was with him the original Arizona was with him. We re- we recorded Arizona once with him. It was like the first version, uh, and then the East the two East Beast EPs. But in um, the fall of 2016, we had written the the split, the gift from God split, or the seven inch, the self destruct seven inch, and. Uh, we went to Evan Perino on, on Long Island, who is a good friend of ours. And at the time, we had like just became good friends with him um, over that summer touring. And so we went there, and it was our first time recording with him. And that whole thing just happened in a day. And then, you know, we recorded it. We loved the songs, and it was great. But we were on the way home. Me and Matt were in the car on the way home from Long Island. And like this was before like Vaden was popular or anything. And like, uh, I was like, we threw the mixes on and I listened to like the mix and we were listening to the songs and I was just like, had a moment. It was like, I couldn't believe how fucking crazy it was what I was hearing. Like I could, you know what I mean? But, but we had never heard it like that. That was also the first time, like the recording quality or like the production, like matched what we were doing. And it was like, I was like, dude, I thought about going into work the next day. And I was like, I'm not fucking going into work tomorrow. So <laughs> we listened to to the mixes and then I quit my job immediately because they were, I, it was like listening to it was such a crazy experience that I was like, like, fuck this. And I could, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to do something like that. Uh, but so I did that, which was also why I did. So I was like, 
like, fuck this, dude. There's no way I can go into work tomorrow after hearing this. I quit. And then Matt was like, well, now I'm quitting too. So then, <laughs> so then he quit. <laughs> it's so sick. I, it's, it's, I, it's like cinematic. It's like out of a movie. Like the, it was, it, it's very like Bill and Ted. I love it. It's so it cool. Was, it was awesome. It was such a cool moment. But um, yeah, it was like hearing the rough mix of like those seven inch songs was just like the most magical shit. And it was like, dude, I can't even believe this is what I'm hearing right now. I'm quitting right now. And then shortly after that, we put it out, went on tour and everything just went crazy. You know what I mean? And that was definitely a cinematic moment of uh right. of the band's like history you know what i mean so when you guys went to do arizona you said that you had re- so those were like re- there was some re-recorded stuff on there and um was that mentality because you just wanted to have someone else take a shot at like or like maybe you had new ideas for those songs and now doing it with will putney was gonna maybe make certain parts come to life in a different way both like it was just like we started it one year and then a year had gone by of recording it and it's still not being done. Like it was done in a very like piece, like when can we get time to go back type way? Like, Oh, we'll go this weekend and get these songs done on bass. And then you go this weekend and do, you know what I mean? It took forever, but I think it was a blessing in disguise only because we had played the songs live and they weren't out. We had pre- we had more time to practice them, more time to listen to the old versions, and sort of you know more time to play as a band and evolve. And so then, label stuff started coming up. Then you start thinking about I think this song could be better, and this song could be a little bit better, and I think we could maybe change this. Or I don't like the way this is recorded at all. Uh, can we get it mixed by someone else? And then people, you know, Justin going hey you should record with will putney i didn't even know who will putney was at the time none of us did which was cool also cool i think that's cool um but we were you know we were like uh once the the possibility of hey you could redo this whole thing uh and make it better and like with a better quality and and you know potentially have a second shot at making some of the songs better we already weren't, we already wanted to kind of do that anyways, just quality wise alone. But I think at the time, like the idea of redoing all of it seemed so ridiculous at the time. It was like, are you kidding me? We've already been waiting so long, but we, I think we knew it was, it was going to be worth it ultimately at the end of the day, which it clearly was. Um, yeah. Uh, and some of the older versions are cool, but the songs just got fleshed out a little bit better by then. And, the the quality is a big difference and also working with will was like the first time we worked with like a producer and like you know did like a real like had like a real quote-unquote studio experience where it was like you you go for a and and you start the project on one day and then it's done in a few weeks or a month or whatever it is until, until it's done you know what i mean and you do it in like a condensed period of time by that time too, for you recording vocals, like had you kind of felt like you figured out what works best for you and what was, and, and recording vocals in general, like how is that for you overall? Uh, I don't, well, at that point, I think I had already, I was like, I knew what I, like what I wanted to do and what I was doing, but I definitely learned a lot by doing it that time. 
And obviously I was still figuring it out because that was almost five years ago. You know what yeah. I mean? And like, I'm still figuring it out. But, but like, uh, at that time, like, I think one thing about Will was like, there was like a cup, just a couple moments of like, I, I would maybe overwrite or write a little too many syllables at a part where it was like nearly unrealistic to do. So, uh, there was, there were times where it was like a little bit of refinement just to kind of like space things out a little bit better. And that definitely helped out a lot. I think the bigger struggle is, uh, recording a lot of crazy shit and then going to do it live. Uh, Mm. but, or, or just writing a vocal pattern where you're like, why the fuck did I (laughs) do this to myself? Why did I do this to myself? Because why? Because you heard it this way in your head and it has to be that way. And then you go to do it and you're, but also then eventually you're like good at doing it and then you're doing it. And then you're like, you know what I mean? That's the fun part of the challenge. But, uh, do you always uh, write or do lyrics always come last? Uh, they kind of like in terms of like, in terms of, uh, well, what, one other thing I was going to say to just, I guess, wrap up the other question is with the vocal shit. I think it's, it gets easier and easier every time you do it. I'm sure you feel the same way because you've mm-hmm. just done it so many times, but, but, uh, as far as, I think the the song definitely comes first, and like, as far as lyrics and stuff go, I'll, I'll write if I think of something in my head, or like even a line, or a phrase, or an idea, or just a concept, or something. Like I'm gonna write it down, and I'll have like a folder or a notepad thing uh, file of tons of scattered lines, lyrics, ideas, whatever, uh, just free writing, whatever. But in terms of like applying it all is the difficult part and i think with vane especially i feel like it's a matter of um uh hearing the like listening to the song and feeling the song and and feeling out the vibe of the song but also i feel like i hear the flow very immediately for the most part and then it's a matter of like fitting it into the flow so i think ultimately the lyrics (laughs) for the most part come last because if I write something that's like four lines, it's like an ABAB rhyme rhyme scheme or something like it might look really fucking sick and it might read really well, but then you try to apply it over the part and it doesn't translate. And it's like, that's where the delivery part of it comes into play. And then there's also the part of like, especially with Vane, there's so many parts where instead of a, here's like, here's like a steady beat and you have like all this space to just, you could do the ABAB thing. Like you can't because there's all these, this switching up and there's all this, like, you know, there's certain, uh, drum fills that I want to like accent a certain way. And when you like, you know, you have one line to fit here and then you can fit four here and then you could fit like two words here and then you can fit this here and it all has got to tie in together or whatever. That's more the hard part. And, uh, but it's also fun because, like, it's like he, when you hear the delivery or you hear, you hear like what you want to do over it, you know, that's cool because you almost have like sort of a template for yourself because you know, you, you know, it feels right. And, and another thing is too is sometimes with lyrics, like, sometimes if I don't have lyrics, but I do have the flow, it's like there's always like the whole, 
I know many people do this, just do demos of like, like literal gibberish of the flow. And then sometimes words come out or phrases come out that you didn't even think to write down, but it felt good to say. And then you're Mm -hmm. like, I think that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, It's all, it's all like a huge puzzle, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's certainly a good way to look at it. Um, So that was like a long winded ass answer, but the the lyrics and the vocals, I feel like, you they always come after the music sure. like they might not be the last thing in the entire grand process of it all but they might be like they're always going to come after the music i don't write like a song of lyrics and go this is a song's worth of lyrics and it's done and and where's my song to put this on i never do that i would i want to to do that i think that sounds really fun to do and i've kind of always wanted to do that but I don't know if like, I guess it depends on the band or even depends on the song. Like it would almost be fun to sing in a more straight up hardcore punk band to kind of like, for what I'm saying to go, oh, I have like just open space and I want to, you know, come in with lyrics and how does it work for you? I, I always do. you have do, the lyrics I mean, beforehand? No, or before no. the songs? Never, never. Every like, and especially for writing a record, I will wait until we have like three or four songs done musically before I start even writing. Cause for me, I don't know what a record's going to be until we get in the process. So it's like, I try to feel out the energy of like the certain songs we've been writing and then be like, okay, this song feels more like maybe an angry song. The song feels maybe more like a, you know, this song, like, absolutely, you know, and like you sort of feel that out. And then I start writing around that. And then the band, um, is incredibly kind with allowing me the space to then orchestrate how the song is going to go. You know, I'll be like, mm-hmm. you, you know, let's do this part this many times. Let's actually cut this part in half. Like, let's do this, you know, because these and then, you know, that's how we all sort of work together. But but yeah, I I, I think I could never write lyrics uh, in full and then bring them to the band because I think I would be way too precious about having to edit stuff. You know, I would be like, I don't want to have to like cut out a part of this. Because yeah. I really, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that, that's where I well, think that, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I could write something down and look at it on paper and go, wow, this is fucking sick, but it's not going to deliver correctly nine times out of 10. I guarantee it. And also I completely agree with you. And this is another sort of, I don't know if I, I want to call this a struggle, but it's like, when a song, when you feel the vibe of the song, you also want the lyrical content and the delivery and, you know, all of it to like match what the song needs. You want to give the song yeah. what, it, what it needs. You want to match that energy. And that's not always going to be what you are trying to like. Like you could write how you feel about XYZ thing, you know, in a poem format or whatever. And it's not going to be good over this angry song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, and, but that angry song might make me want to just start talking shit in lyrics and saying really angry, angry stuff, you know, towards myself or towards other people or towards certain ideologies or like whatever it is. And that's cool. It works for the song, but then there's all this other stuff that, you know, you're trying to get out and it's like, it's such a representation of, uh, it's such an, a personal outlet. So it's tough to balance 
letting out like a personal message in feelings while also trying to fulfill what each song needs. And that's all another part of the puzzle. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, and I, I think, have, well, go ahead, please. No, I was going to say, I think that's what is cool about having like different projects or different bands or different things is you can maybe like put out other parts of you or other parts of your just lyric writing in general that maybe you can't only do in your band. Oh, um, a thousand percent. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the Hesitation Runes band that I do on the side is like, those lyrics are so wildly different than Touche lyrics. Cause for Hesitation Runes, I'm like, oh, that's where I want to, you know, write like political songs or something like that. Like something that wouldn't make sense in Touche mm-hmm. at all. Dude, you know? spe- speaking of which, I was in this record store in Lowell the other day and I pulled out a Hes- Hesitation Wounds LP that had like the white, like Japanese, like, mask with the, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. mirror the yeah. album cover is so scary oh i dude mark mccoy did it uh it's which, so cool which was like the big like that the 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 personnel on that record for me was just like holy fuck like mark mccoy is you know like a definite hero oh, of mine. Okay. and he's done wow. you know he like he did like a lot of full hell record covers and stuff like that but he was remember he's saying a charles bronson um okay you know like let does the la- does the label youth attack like fucking legendary right. ass dude so i was like i don't know if this dude would fuck with me and i like sent him the stuff and hit him up and he was so kind and like yeah he he does like all the art for it is fucking sick and then like kurt blue mixed it brad boat right from from fucking from ashes rise uh mastered it like every there's so a lot of around. yeah that, that's a lot so of heroes cool. yeah a lot of heroes, heroes involved that's cool yeah i saw it i thought it looked fucking sick Oh, I appreciate um, it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, real, real proud of it. But what yeah, were you going to say before that? No. So I was going to ask you with, um, with the new record going back to Will, um, I'm sure I know the answer to this question, but like going back to someone like, uh, that you've already worked with so thoroughly on a first record, did you have a feeling of like comfort going into it? Like knowing how the whole thing operates, like knowing what it feels like to be in that space and like what kind of person Will is and like all of those sorts of things. Absolutely. And, and um i i completely think so and uh i wouldn't even call it comfort like i would definitely call it comfort but also i don't want to use that in a way of like we were comfortable and to the point of like you know it's not serious anymore i think it was more of a thing of like like you were saying where it's like you have an under you have a level of familiarity of how each other work, how the whole thing works. Like by the end of the, and I know you guys were saying this about, I think Ross Robinson, where it's like by the end of it, you're like this. You know totally. what I mean? Yes. Like, but at first it's weird. So like by the end of Arizona, we were like we had it figured out. So going into this one, picked up where you left off, and that helps overall for the process and the overall productivity and the and the overall vibe of in the end result of everything because you know he's like i know how the band works i know how you all work i know what you're going for i know what you want and it just makes you know things it makes things happen better and more efficiently and more the veal of like any sort of tension or misunderstanding is gone you know so then so then it's all just like you're just doing it um without you know it's just better you know what i mean yes um so that definitely helped a lot and uh i don't know if i i don't actually don't know if i know this what is your how did you connect with jeff rickley 
because I know he's because he sings on this record. And you, I first met you because you were supporting them on uh, when they were playing some shows. But how did that connection come together? I mean, we we went on tour with them. Uh, our booking agent was talking about potentially getting uh, getting us on a Thursday tour, like a Thursday tour being offered to us or something. Um, uh, one way or the other, I think they might have reached out. I'm not entirely sure, but we accepted and then we went on the tour and uh, and got close and um when we wanted him to sing on the album we just hit him up and he did it that's awesome that's all yeah so it was so sick i yeah he i mean that whole band is the kindest people ever but yeah it's working with him on stuff like that is like so fulfilling absolutely so fulfilling yeah it was it was awesome dude it was so cool um well, fuck. Let me uh, let me hit you with the last question, which is, uh, when was the first time that you felt like you were doing the thing you've been working so hard towards? So I was like thinking about this because you had sent it to me before. Yeah. Not to like I, I was really trying to think, um, and I don't really know because I feel like that moment happens over and over again. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it even happens on this tour, but. To answer the first, first time, I'm like, um, I feel like, honestly, I could be wrong. There was one I thought of earlier, and, I, and I'm going to be pissed because gonna, we're going to end the call, and then I'll probably remember something better. And I did remember something earlier, but I can't, I can't fucking remember now. But, but uh, I think, like, going – one thing that came to mind was going back to that moment of like hearing the mix and and being like holy shit we just made like the thing we've been wanting to make since we started the band like we've made songs we love but like just the whole the recording and like the songs and the whole vibe everything was like oh my god like we like we we did what we wanted to do like we're listening back to like what we wanted to create what we wanted to hear and it's like it's like perfect finally you know what i mean and then um having that become the release that like really put us over as well and that whole sort of stretch of time from like writing these songs in this kind of blur of a moment and then recording them and then putting them out and then the band sort of going you know like this and and then being like wait what because before that you know no one really cared or whatever having the sort of success start to rise and kind of kind of knowing at that moment, because we had already had Arizona written and already had, you know, even started planning for this record. It was kind of like this moment of just like, holy fuck, like this is it, like it's happening. And, and there's so much in store for everybody around us that they don't even know about yet. You know what I mean? Like music, in terms of music, it was almost like we had this, like, we were like, you know, plan and like a ton of stuff in the tank. So it was just like, holy shit. Like it's actually, uh, it's actually happening. Like we're getting thrown, like now record labels are hitting us up and like, there's things like that, like that, that was, and, and we can actually afford to, and we're actually going on a tour and making a hundred dollars a night. Like when I was like, Oh, we're going on a tour with a guarantee shortly after that. Like the money doesn't even mean shit. It was more of just, 
a moment of like we're finally uh you know integrating into into uh you know people are recognizing what we're doing and right. and uh it's awesome because you know this is all we want to do type thing so it was like can't wait to show everybody all the shit that we have been working on and i feel like just that era of time was was a big was a big moment because it was just a very big turning point for all of us uh and um it was a really magical time and i think that and uh the record release for our for arizona was like a really big deal too just because that was like a every, every year like at anchors up there was like a free like barbecue type show where they would do like like 10 bands like every every band in the area would play and then like there'd be a barbecue and it'd be a free show and it'd be like all day and when we did the arizona record release it was in it was in bill ricka at this vfw hall that never really has shows uh ever like it's super rare and it was free and like eight bands played and it was like all our friends bands and all our friends were there and that i think to be able to like do that and like have but now it's like everybody's part of our thing now and like or like we're the ones that were like facilitating it was it that was a really cool moment um and like arizona actually coming out was like a cool moment absolutely um, like and, first, and like to first actual LP, you know, that yeah, you had like, like, yeah, totally. I think that was like a big fulfilling moment because it was like this thing that we never really gave up on. And it was like to finally, to finally have that come out and uh, have people like receive it the way they did. Um, it was like, wow, like, you know, people fuck with this just as much as we did, slash right. do. Right. That's awesome. Totally. You know totally. what I mean? Cause I think, cause I think the whole time we were making that album was kind of like a little ahead of its time. Cause we were, we were, it was almost like this escape from reality, even in the way that it sounded, it sounded like larger than what we were or what we were doing at the time. So it was like this dream, you know what I mean? Um, and to have that actually like, like I said, come out and to do this free show and like to have all your friends be there and to, to have everybody be a part of it was like a very, very, very special moment and like a um, very fulfilling moment. Um, Love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Those are two, two, two big periods of time that kind of come to mind. I think great answers. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. Uh, I realized there was a question that I forgot to that I forgot to ask, and we can make it short just because it's going to drive me crazy yes. that I didn't ask. What was the first tour you guys did? So the first thing we ever did was uh, a well, it was a weekend tour, and it was with this band Floods that was from Massachusetts. Uh, they were like our first like buddy band. That was also very exciting. It was like, oh, this is like another band that we like, and like. Um, you know, they had like, they didn't sound the same, but they had like, they were a little weird and like more heavier and like, it was just cool. Like like-minded friends, uh, to, and to have a band that was like your age that you, you could play with was fucking awesome. But it was, it was them, uh, Jagged Visions from Connecticut and this band Recycled Earth, uh, from New York and it was us it was us four and we did three shows one on long island one at this 
uh, club in Connecticut called Point Beach Clubhouse that was like the craziest show I've still to this day I think I've ever been to in my entire life. You guys all told you guys all described that show to us. Yeah, it's it's just like super violent, super crazy. Oh, fucking crazy! Yeah, Yeah. I still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And that was on uh, your first. Then that happened on your first tour. So that was the first weekend (laughs) tour we ever did. That was like the first time we ever played two uh three shows three nights in a row right uh and then that was in uh 2014 and then beginning of 2015 we did like another weekend beginning of 2015 we bought a van because we had a tour planned in the summer and then we did like a weekend tour and then the first like real tour was a tour with that band old wounds and it was oh, right. old wounds old wounds took us out on tour in 2015 in the summertime for a week and the furthest it went down i think was to richmond okay. which may which may as well have been puerto rico at the time because it was <laughs> it was like we were like holy shit we're going so far away you know what i mean yeah uh, and then uh that that was like that was like the first real tour and then a year later, we did like another, you know, we then it was like a 10-day tour and then a 12-day tour and then like another 10-day. So we would do like 10-day, 12-day ones. And then um, it was hard. I used to try and like book these imaginary fucking tours when I didn't know anybody or have contacts or anything, but we just wanted to tour so bad. So I would like try and, you know, route it out or try and contact people, try to get, con- try to make it happen and it would never work. So old wounds taking us out on that tour was a pretty big deal and that that was like the first like legit you know you're out for a week type thing right and i guess my question is like do you, did you immediately take to it it sounds like you did like you enjoyed it you liked playing like tonight like you, yeah we you, loved it awesome awesome there was That's all funny. it was all looking back on it now it was all the other funny things that were like like why do i have bubble guts for like two days straight oh it's because i've been eating fucking snacks all day oh where do we like where do you park the van like like running into all those weird like bullshit issues was like really funny looking back on it yeah or you know all the troubleshooting and all like the learning stuff but like yeah we were we were all bummed out when it was over you know what i mean totally absolutely and, absolutely yeah. all right cool i'm glad I, i'm glad i knocked that one out <laughs> yeah, yeah um yeah. well dude anthony this is it's, it's so good to see you I'm, I'm glad we got to to catch up yeah. and do this i appreciate your time yeah thank you so much for having me awesome And that is our show. Thank you so much to Anthony for coming on and hanging out. And thank you for listening. Reminder, there is a bonus episode available right now when you visit patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon, where uh, Anthony answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. If you want to support the show, you can do it for as little as $3, $7, or $10 a month. A lot of tears, a lot of cool stuff. Take care. I will see you next week. Bye-bye.